Welcome to episode 19 of Book Lovers Companion. For this episode, we had the pleasure of a delightful Zoom conversation with the lovely Mari Hanna. Thanks to Bianca for asking you. So thank you for accepting the invitation. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted. I'm, I'm wondering, question for you, how we've apparently met before. Where was, was it Capital Crime? Was it Harrogate? Where, where was it? Crime Fest. Oh, Crime Fest. Crime Fest. Yeah. Okay. 2018, I think, yeah, because we looked at the pictures and we found you on a panel. All right, okay. And I have proof because you signed the death messenger for me. Oh, perfect, good. <laughs> and that's how we met. So have you attend many festivals here then? We were there for the crime fest because that's the only one we can attend. You must try Harrogate one time. Yeah, I know. I've, I've read about it. Oh, it is just amazing. It's so big. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, just amazing. Are you there regularly or? I'm there every year. And last year I was programming chair, which was fantastic. I So I'm wedged between uh, Lee Child, who went before me, and Ian Rankin, whose year it should have been this year, but they cancelled so Basically, we, we wait until he will be chair next year, mm. if if everything goes goes ahead. Mm. It was such an honour to do it. I'm, I'm, you know, I was really honoured. Will you participate in the online version of Bloody Scotland this year or not? No, no. We normally do go up to Bloody Scotland and, and I've appeared there about three, three or four times. But since the beginning, um, I've been going there. But uh, yeah, and it's always a great festival too. You should try that one. I mean, if, uh, how many, you know, it's expensive, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Go to these places and um, yeah, it's, but it's a good festival, really good. Very inclusive for new, new authors because they get a little spotlight. So if they get a big panel... Mm. like uh, perhaps, you know, Ian Rankin, for example, mm. and his interviewer, they will put someone who is brand new on mm -hmm. to read a little bit of their debut mm -hmm. before things start. So it's perfect for them. Mm. There wasn't anything around like that when I started. A friend of ours, Carmen, she attended Bloody Scotland one year, but... Yeah, like you said, it's expensive because it's the flight, it's the hotel, it's yeah, the yeah. it's the event itself. So we just limit ourselves to Crime Fest, and we were supposed to go this year, but yeah, got cancelled. Yeah, well, um, this year I was invited to go to Iceland Noir, but um, I couldn't make that in November. I think that's still going ahead. Yeah. Well, so the the last. I haven't heard that it's been cancelled, but but again, it's flying from here. We have to drive to Edinburgh, uh, fly across to Kevlavik, and then get to get to uh, Reykjavik in a hotel for three days. And it's great, uh, brilliant because you're hanging out with your mates, and um, we've made a lot of Icelandic friends, and they are absolutely well, such a wonderful country and lovely people. But it's you know. It's a thousand pounds by the time. If Mo if Mo comes with me and we go together, yeah, you, know, you can guarantee it's going to cost a thousand pounds. And yeah, uh, that's up. Can't do it every year. It's every other year actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Iceland is is very expensive. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah, a bit like Norway. <laughs> Can imagine that. And you have also attended, Bianca said, uh, that's how the two of you or the three of you met or the four of you, because you were at a event in, in Germany. Yeah, in Tübingen. That was brilliant. Well, I've been speaking to Bianca and Katharina for quite a long time. And then when I knew I was going, I thought I'll, I'll 
call them and see if, well, I didn't call them. I, I DM'd them on Twitter just to say, you know, I'm going. And they said, oh, perfect. Well, we're, it's about three hours drive from where they live. So I thought that was above and beyond. Let's put that <laughs> And uh, yeah, the four of us met up and they had two friends there as well. And we all had lunch and it was really lovely. We didn't spend an awful lot of time with them, but we we got to know them. Mm. Well, in that hour, we we really, you know, gelled and I knew we would. So yeah. They're, they're great people. So how do you know them? Twitter. We met via Twitter because of the cats. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Big on cats. Yeah. But had it been a nice day, I was saying to Mo earlier, if it'd been sunny, I would have been in the garden. We could have done this in the garden, but the lady next door has a dog. Oh. And every time it sees me in the garden, it gets the biggest stick it can find, slathers <laughs> all over it and comes bounding up, asking me, you know, like basically puts it down in front of my feet, waiting for me to throw it. So I thought that might not be a good idea. <laughs> Which reminds me, I meant to ask you, how's the cat you don't have? Oh, the cat is good. And it comes and goes, you know. Did it move in or did it move to another house? I had four cats when we came. Well, I had three cats when I bought this house. And the lady who's moving out of here was going back to Ireland. And she said to me one day, would you mind if we just leave the cat? Which I was, I thought, God, I could no sooner give away <laughs> one of my cats but I don't think she was here an awful lot and it used to there's a tiny window into the into the loo next door to here it's like just so big and enough for the cat to get through and it used to come in there and drop down and go into the bathroom and climb up into the airing cupboard where it was warm and she, it had a bed which oh the bed wasn't very clean <laughs> obviously they didn't care much about this cat and mm. the fact that it was in there with this matted bed you know I said, I said of course we'll have it well she did not like us at all for a good six months every time you walk past the table she wouldn't give it back you know? <laughs> <laughs> But and she, and she didn't because we had two two dogs, three cats of our own. She 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 thought this is my house. You're not coming. Mm. You're not coming in here. Yeah. She got used to us eventually. Um, <laughs> but one by one, you know, they all died, and uh, they were good age when we came. So, yeah. but I do love cats. I have to say, if we didn't travel so much, I would have another one. Yeah. That's the problem, I think. Yeah. I mean, they're very self-sufficient. And this one obviously used to wander out of here, probably beg food at the neighbours and then wander back and get in the airing cupboard again. But, um, you know, <laughs> I, don't think it, I don't think it had much company, really, which, which isn't nice. <laughs> <laughs> Did Bianca have a lot of convincing to do for you to agree to our podcast? No, But then I, I didn't know that I was going to see you face to face. I thought this was going to be a phone call. Oh. Ah, but I have done my hair today for the first time since February. <laughs> I've had my hair tied up like this since February. It is so long and I, I'm, I am so hot because it's thick. So I thought, well, today, you know, I'm seeing somebody face to face. <laughs> I've completely ignored Zoom Zoom panels, Zoom meetings, whatever. And my, and my publicist wrote to me this morning and said, Oh, we're supposed to be speaking on the second, I think it is. Hmm. She said, do you want an ordinary old-fashioned phone call or do you want Zoom? And it was like 9.30 in the morning. I said, I'll have, <laughs> I'll have an ordinary phone call. <laughs> And I would have to take my PJs off. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for joining us for an episode of Book Lovers Companion. It's a great pleasure and an honor. It's my pleasure. I'm, I'm just really... 
pleased to talk to someone. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in the house so long, I really, it's, it's just great to talk to somebody new. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Let's start with your or my favorite series of yours, your Kate Daniels series. Yeah. I've read on your new homepage, which is great, by the way. Thank you. It looks, looks professional. Yes, absolutely. Looks fantastic. You state that, that it started out as a screenplay, actually. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Um, I had an idea for uh, The Murder Wall, which was the debut, and I was struggling a little bit with the prose. And I met a screenwriter from L.A. who was over here uh, visiting her mother just a few miles from here. And she said, well, you know, if, if you're having trouble, why don't you write it as a screenplay? And I said, well, I know nothing about writing a screenplay either. But she said, well, I'll give you some a few, a few pointers. And she did. And I taught myself how to screenwrite. And then I managed to get on a BBC uh, drama development scheme. And there were just a half a dozen of us. Uh, we all had completely different ideas. It was to write a crime pilot for TV. And uh, I really enjoyed the experience. They gave me a mentor. I learned an awful lot, which you do if you listen. And at the end of that, none of us were commissioned, but we were unknown names. We, we were pretty brand new. Um, so that didn't surprise me. But I'd done such a lot of work on it that I decided that what I would really, really like to do was then adapt it to a novel, which I did. So we've gone full circle now because, you know, I'm seven books into the Kate Daniel series and they have been commissioned now uh, or they're in development with Sprout Pictures, which is Gina Carter and Stephen Fry's production company. That was quite some time ago, but it takes such a long time for uh, these things to actually get on the screen. Um, it's a dream of mine, obviously, to hear my dialogue actually spoken by actors on screen. It's, every writer feels like that, I think. So, yeah, so it's, it's heading in the right direction and um, we've got backers and, you know, we just have to wait and see what happens. Um, and in the meantime, I just get on with writing more books. But um, the murder wall, actually, I, I never used to admit this. People used to say, is, is Kate Daniels just your partner with a different name? And I never used to admit that. But I have to say that it was, it was a bit of a love letter to Mo, if I'm, if I'm honest. Uh, she was still a detective then. She's retired now. And, you know, during her career, she, she, she did not come out. She did not wish to come out because I think she thought that it would sort of keep her back, hold her back. So whilst we lived together, it was never talked about. And there was a time when, bizarrely, she went into work and I think some guy had been promoted and she was... You know, really, really, she, she should have been promoted before him. And I think she just lost it and, and went in to see her boss and said, you know, what's going on? And he said, well, we hear that you live with three women. <laughs> no, I live with one woman and her two boys and her two children. What's it got to do with you? And so I suppose in my own little way, this was a, a payback. 
Uh, this was um, me just sort of, you know, I, I get so cross. I was seeing no lesbian detectives in a lead role on television or in books. And I wanted to put that right. I wanted, I suppose I was a bit angry. I wanted to get it out of my head. And I just wanted to, um, I knew I had the skill to do it. You know, I'm a, a probation officer. I was a probation officer before I started writing. So with my experience and Mo's experience in the police, we were, you know, d- definitely in a good place, let's put it that way, to be able to write a good crime novel. People who've stuck with the series have been fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And, you know, Without a Trace, which is the last book, I don't know if you've read that one, but... I'm still missing my nails. <laughs> <laughs> well... Obviously, there was a big gap between Gallows Drop, which was book six, and Without a Trace, which was book seven. And that the only reason for that, it wasn't that I'd fallen out of love with Kate, or I just was considering stopping writing Kate, which I, I won't do as long as people want to read about her, then I will write her. So I'm, I, I kind of, I, I changed publisher. Mm. And very few publishers will take a series on mid-series and they said we want you to write something new and so I gave them three synopsis to choose from and they picked all three and said they wanted me to write all three and so I did write the three and then I went back and said right now I want to write Kate my fans the fans of the series have waited long enough for that cliffhanger at the end of book six to uh to come round and yes it was it was hard because people were saying are you going to give us a clue and I was going no of course I'm not going to give you a clue <laughs> but I so so enjoyed being back with Kate and I really enjoyed writing without a trace it kind of flew off my fingers it was one of those things that I was ready to write I think you said you changed publisher is that also the reason for the change in the covers for the ten yes. series okay yes and again you know because I've changed Uh, I, mean, I think if I'd been with the same publisher, then if they were, re- you know, they were modernizing them, uh, then then it would have happened. I think, I mean, this this is the new one. Obviously, you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. And it and, and there is a new, you, you'll have noticed on the website, if you've been on there, that there is a new cover for the paperback, which is, yeah. I love, which I absolutely love. I love this one. And I, when they said they were going to give a new one for the paperback, I was, ooh. it's just as good and in fact it's better i i really i really do like that one and and yes there will be uh kate daniels eight which i'm writing now um so yeah i don't know when that's coming but um because there's another stone and oliver coming before that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but of course the covid pandemic has put everything back yeah paperback of without a trace should have been out in july Mm. um And it's been put back till January because we wanted a big, you know, we wanted to celebrate the book and we mm-hmm. wanted to have a great launch. And so the launch would, would take place in January. I'm not really sure that that's going to happen because of the where, where we are in this, in this, uh, you know, with this virus. But whatever, it will be coming out mm. in January. And yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with it. I also wanted to ask you about the way of writing a screenplay. You started with writing screenplays and then you turned the screenplay into the novel. And I was talking to Naomi Alstedt for the podcast and she also started out with writing screenplays. And she said it was very helpful when she started to write her first novel because 
a screenplay gives you a certain structure. Mm -hmm. Did you also find that helpful? Yes, I did find it helpful because obviously when you write a screenplay, all you're writing is the action and the dialogue. And when you write a book, you obviously have to have that interior, you know, interior dialogue as well. Uh, that that I found very hard to write, actually. And obviously, in a screenplay, when it you know when people are reading your words, they're interpreting your words and they're and they're acting it out. Um, so, but I did find that very very helpful. Uh, and you know, it it is a very different skill writing a, mm. a screenplay from writing a book. And I was at the point of my career when I thought. I wasn't quite sure which way I was going to go because I was having quite a lot of reviews from people I was sending my work to saying, you know, this is good, mm -hmm. but thanks, but no thanks sometimes. And so I wasn't sure whether I was going to go into the TV thing or go, you know, become an author. And as it happens, you know, it was the, the uh, book that took off first mm. in Germany. Um, I was published in Germany first. Ah. Before my home country picked up the book, a mm -hmm. company called Goldman, a publishing yeah, yeah. company called Goldman, picked up the first two Kate Daniels. Unfortunately for me, and this happens to a lot of writers, between the period of it, you know, the commissioning editor taking the book on mm -hmm. and the book coming out, she left. And so nobody had much ownership of it. And to be honest, I don't think it did very well. Mm. And Uh, which affects you going forward because you you're only going to people will look at your previous sales and if they haven't been good then you won't get another deal so so they didn't pick up three and four and what have you mm. but I have a very funny story I drove from here because I, I I just was desperate to have my book published and Mo and I got in the car and we drove to Cologne to see my book on a bookshelf in a store <laughs> it's I a long way know this story do you know this no, story? No, no 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 okay so um i told this story when i was at tubingen in germany uh, in the, at the book fest and so i got in the car and i drove all the way to cologne with uh, practically without stopping i just was desperate to get into a bookshop have a look at my book on a shelf and uh when i got there it, it wasn't there and i went to see to the till and i asked the lady behind the counter Do you have Marie Hannah? Sein Sohn kommt über uns. And she said, um, ah, <laughs> she said, it, it won't be on the shelf till next week. <laughs> so I just, we, we uh, obviously I was quite disappointed and we couldn't hang around for a week, but we had a lovely weekend in Cologne and then drove back again. <laughs> so that was what you call a debut author fail. <laughs> But, but still, even after the book was out, or, or the book was um, taken up by Goldman, it took another 12 months before I found a publisher in the UK, which is unusual. Not unheard of, but it is unusual. When we spoke to Bianca, she, was also, she also joined us for an episode, and we also spoke about your books. Oh, really? Yeah, I must of, yeah. that one. Yeah, of course we spoke. She never told me that. Oh, didn't she? She didn't. Oh, Hmm. Yes, definitely. Because we were also talking about other tips and ideas and recommendations. And so we came to your books. What I need is I need 100,000 Biancas to, to wave a flag about Kate Daniels and then maybe I'll get something over yeah. there. 
Yeah. And it's a great, it's a big market, you know, it's a, it's a great market. May I ask, did you come up with these things on your own or if you heard them somewhere? Like, sympathy sits between shit and syphilis in the, in the dictionary. Or the acronym for fine, fucked up, insecure, neurotic and emotional. <laughs> I do um, come up with an awful lot of things that my kids won't go, Mom, <laughs> should you really put that in the book? Yeah. Um, because I like them. <laughs> exactly. You know, sometimes it, it you hear something, you steal something. All writers steal. We, that's what we do. We observe, we listen. I, you know, I, I sometimes, for example, I go out with Mo to um, retired police officers kind of get together. And the anecdotal stories they tell are amazing. And I often find myself spiriting off to the ladies' loo and writing stuff down because you know, <laughs> that would, I could, that this would really work very well in a book. And, uh, and they're all, they all love to tell you stories, stories that probably have never been in the press or what have you. But, um, and, they're, and they're great, you know. I mean, I've, I've picked up so many sort of ideas where you might have, I, I've had a, an idea for a book, but what I need is a second string so that I need a, another story that runs through the first story. And then, you know, I've because retired officers do all sorts of things. They go out, they drive ambulances, um, you know, they, they might work in, you know, with the coroner's officer. They, you know, they do all sorts of stuff. And it's really interesting to hear what they're doing now and, mm -hmm. and how that, you know, and how they got into it. So yeah, it's 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 good, but but we we are observing all the time. I'm reading at the minute. I'm reading Mick Herron. Have you ever read him? Not yet. I bought a book. Oh. I bought a book in German this time. Right, um. right. Well, I, I think he's one of the most skilled writers around, to be honest. And if you like his Slough House series, you know you will read all of them. I I I really recommend them. I, I've been listening. I've been listening a lot rather than reading a lot of books. I my my mom died during lockdown. I just could not pick up a book. I couldn't turn I, I couldn't turn the pages. It wasn't I couldn't turn the pages. I just couldn't concentrate for very long. And I felt that I could go about sort of little household duties or in the garden or what have you and listen to the book in, in my in, in my head. And I've thoroughly fallen in love with his characters and his sense of humor but he's, he's a marvelous writer you should you must you must check him out it's on the pile during during yeah, yeah. I, i didn't have the chance to read a lot during lockdown either neither did you which was rather a bit annoying because i usually read all the time when i when i go to work on the train when i go home uh, i was so busy online all the time and Now um, I haven't been on a public transport since March and I go by car and there's also not so much time now to read. But I would have loved to stay at home and read, but I had to go to the office every day. So, no. Oh, you? Oh, right. Okay. Well, obviously my office is exactly the same place as it always is. <laughs> but I have to say that I did still find it. I mean, it's one thing writing away at home and having the discipline of working from home. But it was so bizarre because even though... In some ways, nothing changed for me mm. until my mother died. Not being able to go out, <laughs> it was just not being able to go out. I mean, I could have gone out if I'd wanted to, and then suddenly you couldn't go out, and it was 
bizarre. Um, and I found the quiet far too quiet. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? There was no. I mean, I, we hear very little traffic from here, mm. but there was nothing. It was so so quiet. I mean, we were we were pushing on the you know putting the music on just so that we could have some noise, you know. And I don't normally write with music on. I like some some people can't manage without. And some people put movies on and watch them and write and what have you. I couldn't do that. I, I like complete silence. I'm in my head. That's it. Everybody else, you know, the door's shut. That's it. But but I found the the the, the silence just quite scary. You know, yeah. I didn't I didn't like the fact that nothing was nobody was moving and nothing was happening. Mm. Um, and of course, lockdown. You can't go out and observe people. You can't. We couldn't do research mm. um, visits, so you know if I was if I do research and I do it day and night, um, most of the time, I would speak to locals. I might go in a local pub. I might visit a local shop. You know, you need to know about the town that you're you're actually visiting. I mean, this is a vast county that I live in in Northumberland, and so you know. I can really ring the changes in the books. I can take you to different places. I can go from here to Newcastle, which is the city centre, right, you know, so it's like party city of the north. <laughs> so, and, that, and that book will feel very, very different from one where if I take you up the coast mm-hmm. to Bambra mm-hmm. on the sands. Um, I post photographs on Twitter. I'm sure you've seen them. Yep. Uh, where mm-hmm. the beach are completely empty. Um, Looks beautiful. Which, Fantastic. Yeah. See, I think it's a big difference because you are used to a quiet surrounding mm-hmm. when everything is normal and we have all this noise and the, the people and the hustle and bustle and so I, we enjoyed the we quiet. Enjoyed the quiet. Mm-hmm. No cars outside, every, everyone was at home, no planes. It, it was great. Yeah, but it wasn't a, such a complete lockdown as in England. Mm. Yeah. Right. It wasn't that quiet. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I, this is a tiny village where I live, so there isn't very much traffic anyway. But there is a major route not too far from here, and you can kind of hear the little buzz as it goes by sometimes, and depending which way the wind is blowing. <laughs> but it was deathly quiet. When If you would walk out into the garden in the evening, you couldn't hear a thing, not a thing, uh, which, which was odd. Very, mm-hmm. I found that very odd. Yeah. Although it was lovely in one way, and, and now we can hear everything, and you know, but it's a bit like that, you know, the fact that you can't go out, you want to go out, don't you? <laughs> I think the moment uh, you're not allowed to go out, you want to go out. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, like she said, it was a bit different here, so and it was a, a nice change. The quiet. I mean, uh, Vienna is a big city compared yeah. to your village. So lots mm. of our friends, they said, yes, we enjoyed the quiet. It was mm. nice. Just yes. ch- for a change, it was nice and quiet. And and not having to use public transport. Yes. Yes. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the air, it must, in the cities, the air must have been so much cleaner and without the traffic and, yeah. and what have you. I'd love to go to Vienna. <laughs> On my wish list. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> And we would love to show it. Show you around. Um, I, I've only ever been to um, Fuchsalamsee mm-hmm. um, many, many years ago. Um, but I would like to come back. Yeah. Definitely. You should. 
You have your own guides. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Feel free. That would be good. That, you always need a, a local guide. That would be great. You're welcome. I should be. You were my first choice. You're welcome. <laughs> Call, give us, give us a ring. We'll, we are there. So I also wanted to ask you not just about your Kate Daniels uh, stories or, or series, but also about the other two series. Did you start them because you had so many stories to tell or did, they st did you start them because you felt you needed a challenge? Well, uh, the Ryan O'Neill series, the, the, which started with The Silent Room, The Silent Room was only going to be a standalone And the reason I wrote it, and I wrote it completely on spec, was without without any, you know, I didn't tell my agent, and I didn't tell my publisher, but I had the time to do it. And it started as many of these ideas for books do over, Mo and I just chatting over the breakfast table with a cup of coffee and she'd tell me something about her work or what have you. And she said something completely off the cuff and I, and I went, stop. And I ran upstairs and I literally wrote the first opening chapter of that. I had no idea what I was doing. I was mid Kate Daniels. I think I was right. I might even have been, I don't know whether it was Killing for Keeps or Gallows Drop that I was writing. But I thought, wow, that there's an idea for another book. And when I finished the Kate Daniels book and I went back to this, what I knew was going to be called The Silent Room, I knew that it wouldn't fit with Kate. I won't. I can't really tell you why, because your readers will then. I would spoil it for your readers if they do pick up the book. But it wouldn't have fit with Kate. So I thought, you know, I've got enough time. I'm going to write this. I'll send it to my agent. I have no idea if my publisher will take it or not. And he loved it. The publisher loved it. They said yes, we will definitely publish this. And so they did. When it went to the states. They liked it so much. They wanted to. So that's kind of how that emerged from like a standalone to two. Mm -hmm. I've got another idea for Ryan and O'Neill, which I haven't got enough pair of hands. That's trouble. <laughs> But I really just, I would like really, I would like to write. So as I say, I'm, I mean, I've just signed off on a new Stone and Oliver, which will be book four. Mm -hmm. I'm writing a new Kate Daniels, which I haven't called anything yet but I'm really enjoying it and then I might try see if I can knock in another Ryan and Neil even if it just means that that's a trilogy and it finishes there I don't know but but lots of people like that series and it was different because I was writing a male protagonist who was a DS and special branch so it had a very different feel from the other books And, and as I said, the Stone and Oliver series came because I was changing publisher. They, it was their idea to have a duo rather than a single protagonist. So I just, I came up with Stone and Oliver, who I adore writing, I have to say. I really do like them. And there's some great characters in, in, in those books. And, I, and I'm, it's, it's, people say, well, which books do you like? Which series do you like best? I mean, that really is like, choosing between your children that's always the favorite one you know, I, yeah. really are you the favorite no. i was never the favorite i'm an only child so me too oh you were definitely favorite <laughs> maybe sometime but i think you know uh, writers just need to write what 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 makes them happy and and what 
you know, they need to write at that time. And I'm very pleased that I didn't just, I haven't only written Kate Daniels. Yes, I would be in book 14 now, but I think it, I came, I was at the point where I needed to challenge myself as a writer to show that I wasn't just a one trick pony. And if you think about somebody who I love, Michael Connolly, who writes several different series and goes back to them when he feels the need, when he, he has an idea that would suit those characters. And I think that's a good thing. And uh, Val McDermott does the same, mm. you know, uh, and other writers choose to just write one series for their whole career, mm. Mm. Um, which I think might bore me a little, if I'm honest. But somebody asked me after writing three Stone and Oliver, you know, how did I feel about going back to writing Kate? And, you know, did I kind of remember what she was like? And I said, well, well, yeah. I mean, if I didn't see a friend for three years mm-hmm. and then I met them, five minutes later, I would feel as if I hadn't not, not seen them for three years. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I started writing her, she was in my head. She, you know, she's a real person to me, mm-hmm. uh, even though she's fictional. She's in my head all the time. She's a friend. <laughs> she's just a taller younger version of Mo. (laughs) (laughs) Equally determined and equally arsy, if I'm allowed to say that on here. You know, but uh, yeah, I I really enjoy that. I I enjoy writing all of my characters, I have to say. And does she also have a life of her own in your head? Does she look over your shoulder from time to time and tell you, oh, come on, that's completely wrong? Do you mean Mo or Kate? Uh, Kate. <laughs> maybe, or maybe both. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Mo definitely does because she's my first reader, and I'm known for police procedural authenticity, and that's mainly down to her because she wouldn't let me get away with it if it wasn't if it wasn't right. Although, as a writer, you have to shift the boundaries slightly. You can't just live within the rules. I mean, most police work is painstaking, day after day. It's a lot of it's a lot of you know, legwork, it's a lot of paperwork. In a book, you can skip all of that and get on the action, which is what you would do. Kate is, you know, one of those people that bends the rules, shall we say, um, more more than it would be possible to to do. But um, I think you have to have have that in fiction. You have to have something, you have to have characters that are a little larger than life. Yeah, yeah. You know, as long as you have the reader who's rooting for the characters, mm. then you're okay. I yeah. think you can you can bend the rules slightly. Is it also easier to uh, write a duo? Because you, when you have a duo, you can always have have a dialogue between the two. And like Hank Gormley, for example, he's a bit like a sounding board for Kate. Yeah, and he tries. He also tries to keep her on keep her on track, and he has her back. He's got and, no chance. Yeah. <laughs> But is, is, is it easier to write a duo or...? Well, I mean, I, you see, I, I see Kate... I mean, Kate is obviously the main player in, in the Kate Daniels series, mm. uh, but she does have her uh, Hank. And, you know, I think a lot of people who read the Stone and Oliver series have kind of... I don't know, I, I don't know why, uh, but they, they kind of... They like David Stone, mm-hmm. uh, but they love Frankie. I do. She's funny. She's. I'll tell you a little story about, I mean, I knew that I could write uh, another female detective, no no bother at all. And this time with Frankie Oliver, I made her a third generation cop. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
there's been a Frank Oliver in, in Northumbria Police, my fictional Northum Northumbria Police for since 1966. So her grandfather and her father were both Frank. She's Francis, but she gets Frank. Um, and so I knew I would be able to write her and I, because I know officers who have uh, parents who were in mm -hmm. the police. Yeah. So that wasn't a problem. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? How, how am I, this bloke, what's he going to be like? Well, it's funny because the, when I first brought the Kate Daniels series out, there was a man who had, uh, who'd lived in Australia for, he must have lived there about 20 odd years. And he used to write to me about the Kate Daniels series and say how much my books took him home because he's from here. And his name was David, not David Stone, but David. His emails were, let's put it this way, a bit homesick. <laughs> and, but also hilarious. And I wrote to him because um, we'd been almost like pen pals and I'd, I'd been writing back and forth. And I said, he calls himself Robbo because his name's David Robson. So I, I said, Robbo, would you mind very much if I lift some of the humour from your emails? Because I've, I've got this character and I'm kind of going to loosely base him on you and the dialogue between us. Well, of course, he was over the moon, wasn't he? He was just, you know. So he became David Stone. And the reason Stone, he's quite, Stone is quite a charismatic, quietish, in my head anyway, a bloke. And I wanted his name to be completely the opposite of what he was. He's not hard at all, like a stone. He, so I called him Stone. And that's how, kind of how he evolved. And I was in a bookshop um, near here, and I was telling this story to the audience about this, this, this guy who, who I based David Stone on and why. And strangely, that the, the humour had actually gone from David to Frankie in the book. So he was a bit of, you know, there was a bit of both. And all of a sudden, from the back of the room, there was a voice, a Geordie voice. And he said, Awemi, you're embarrassing us now, like this. And it was him all the way from <laughs> Australia, sitting in the back. Well, of course, the audience were like, I said, is it you? And he said, yes. And so I, we did meet. He, he comes home to this part of the world every couple of years and uh, and we met and he was a bit like Cinderella because <laughs> I signed a book for him and then he disappeared and and I sort of caught him and said look coming up just have a drink after we've had this signing and he said no 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 I'm going I'm going to come to your event in Wall's End which is a few miles away mm -hmm. on Thursday and I'll see you then we'll have a drink and I'll bring my wife and my sister and what have you and he broke his leg. Oh. He damaged his leg anyway and couldn't come. So even though we'd made a, you know, when and of course when I got there on Thursday, he wasn't there. Uh, but we've 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 carried on since, and we we will have that pint <laughs> one day. But it was it was bizarre the way it, you know he he emerged from a conversation with somebody a complete stranger, and a crime fiction fan, and somebody who's a little bit homesick for Northumberland. <laughs> It's a fantastic story. And have you ever thought of choosing, let's say, not a police officer, but for a change, a private detective? Has it ever occurred to you? It hasn't occurred to, well, it has occurred to me, but I've had this conversation with Mo before, and I actually don't know whether I could do as much with a, a private eye 
as I can with a police officer. Mm. I just don't know whether they, you know, if I'm writing a long running series, whether I could eke that out. I would certainly have to do a lot more research because mm. the research that I have to do with a police officer, and this is not me being lazy, is across my kitchen table, you know, and, and Mo is there and she will read what I've written uh, before it ever goes to my agent. And it's kind of, since she retires, it's become a bit of a, um, it's, we, we kind of brainstorm ideas together now. Mm. In fact, uh, you know, you hear it here first. Um, I am thinking that she and I might write a book together. Ooh. So that she she should get the plaudits anyway. <laughs> and she should always have been appearing on stage with me anyway, but she was working. She was, she was a police officer and she was still at work. But she isn't any longer, and she is a lot more involved in the book. Mm. I do the writing, mm. but she's got all the good ideas. Honestly, I just write them down. No, um, so I think it would be it would be good, and maybe to write something completely different from the two of us under mm. a, under a, under a pseudonym mm. and see how that goes. Mm. But I've got not enough time in the day to do all of the things that I w- I would love to to write some more screenplays. Mm. I, uh, I've i got a feature film, a romantic comedy feature film that I spent four years writing uh, that I would like to do something with. I'd like to update it and send it out. But it's a, just a matter of time, you know. Well, we would watch it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Bianca will make sure you did. <laughs> yeah, of course. You have your audience. Go along with it. You shouldn't worry. No, I think it, I think it would be good, and um, yeah, it would show that I I can not just write crime, but it is fun, mm. um, and it was fun, and that all came. You know, when I told you earlier that I'd gone on to the BBC Drama mm-hmm, Development, mm-hmm. well, I I tried to get on this other scheme beforehand, and I pitched the idea for the murder war to them, and the guy who'd come up from London said, "Love it, but that's TV." What I want, what I'm after is feature film. Hit me with another idea. And just off the top of my head, I don't know how and why, but I just decided that I would pitch this idea for a romantic comedy. And then I thought, God, I don't even know if I can be funny for that long. (laughs) (laughs) I spent, honestly, four, four years and something like 12 drafts and he signed off on it and he said he thought it was great and it's different and he liked the idea straight away so I had to put away the crime idea concentrate on that and then of course that took me on this diversion for a few years and then the crime pilot thing just happened to come up and I thought well I'll go for it now Mm. but it was great I, I thoroughly enjoyed it I on both schemes I learned an awful lot and you get so much good feedback from people who who know what who know what works and what doesn't you learn about pace and plot and you know for example before i was able to write one word of the screenplay for kate daniels they said go away think about her write a you know a long biography so you know exactly what she's going to do in any given situation and that's yeah. what i did so i i felt as if i really kate was real for me before i started writing i think that's the way to go really even if you write whatever you're writing, whether it's a book, short story, what have you, um, mm. that that's the way to go. And do you also some of some writers say they need to see a scene first in their head, like a film? Is it the same for you? Yeah, I think I think very filmically. I you know I think that you have to 
you know, think about that. And, and I've learned as I've gone along to drop a little bit of the procedure that I used to put in the books. My agent once said to me, the trouble with you is, Mari, you actually know too much. It doesn't all have to be in there. The reader will pick it up that you know what you're talking about. You don't need to put it on the page. Some writers do that. And some people don't like that too much procedure stuff. So I have tried to cut it down a bit more and a bit more. And I think that's a question of confidence. And I think that you're confident that the writers are with the readers are with you mm. and that they will work it out for themselves what you're getting at. Mm. So yeah. And do you also have a say since you've sold the Kate Dennis series for a TV production, do you have a say in who's going to play Kate? I'm not quite sure we've had that conversation yet. All the way through, Sprout have, have collaborated with me. They, you know, some, some screenwriters just sign on the dotted line and they, they don't hear again until mm. the cameras are rolling and what have you. But all the way through the process, what I've really loved is the fact that they valued my opinion and they've mm. always come back. And so anything that and, um, other people have written about this series, um, they've always wanted to check that, that I felt happy Hmm. Um, and that sometimes that if I felt happy that, and they didn't feel happy, we needed to have conversations about things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that it will continue. I've, I've had some conversations and I would be shot if I told you who has been put forward. So I can't tell you now. But I have to say that when certain names were put forward, I nearly leapt from my seat. <laughs> so, you know, fingers crossed. I, I just don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, how quickly. Mm. Um, but, I, but I'm um, hopeful that it's going to be great mm. when it happens. Mm. As you originally wrote it as a screenplay, um, is it easier for them to turn it into a series than if it was a normal book? No. One of the first things that happened was my tea, uh, there was a young lad who's a TV agent. When I, I was with one agency and then I moved to another. With When my agent moved, I moved with him. But the second agency was books only. The first agency was books and TV and film. So I left my TV rights with them. And I got a phone call one day to say, Stephen Fry's production company want to talk to you. And I thought it was my son. I thought it was my son playing a joke. <laughs> and I said, Paul, get off the phone. Stop buggering about. And, um, and it wasn't. He said, no, no, I'm really serious. But the first thing they asked me when I met them, well, even before I met them, was, are you precious about writing the screenplay yourself? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, because whilst I've written quite a lot of scripts, I'm, I don't have the experience that other screenwriters have. And I really, really wanted, I wanted to have an A-list screenwriter who would mm -hmm. bring their special skills to the project. And I, I, I've never been told this, but I always felt that if I had said, yes, I want to write this myself, I think that meeting would never have happened. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I, I've, you know, I, I haven't asked the question, but I think a screenwriter brings such a different, you know, skill. I, I just thought it would be great if it, this would be a collaboration between the production company, myself, and a, and a screenwriter that they would bring on board, mm. which is where we're at. So, 
yeah, go in the right direction anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I also meant to ask you about the American market, since you said your books are also published there and rather successful. I was wondering, did you have to change anything for the American market or did you have also any say in the cover art? Because it's very different, the covers of your of your say that. editions. When I saw the, the, the cover of The Murder Wall, mm -hmm. where Kate has on high heels, a short skirt and a gun in her hand, yeah. I have to say... I burst out laughing. I shouldn't say this, shouldn't I? I burst. I, I honestly did. I burst out laughing. I thought, no, you know, this this is just. But that's how they wanted it, so that's how they got it. But no, seriously, that, that you know that the cover art just doesn't fit the person. I mean, mm -hmm. British police don't carry guns yeah. in the main. But and I no, I didn't have any say. And but they didn't. They didn't change a word. Basically, mm -hmm. they didn't ask me to change you know footpaths into sidewalks mm -hmm. or or any of that they didn't do any of that and I think I think that's a bit old hat now anyway I, I can't imagine that you know for example Michael Connolly or Patricia Cornwell would change the for the British market you know the other way on mm. I, I just think that we're all we're all capable of understanding that people in different countries have different you know, words for for sidewalk or... I mean, my brother, my one of my brothers has gone to... to he lives in Canada mm -hmm. and he has a yard now. He doesn't have a garden, which I find, which I find bizarre because it is actually a garden and not a yard. <laughs> um, a yard a yard for us means a tiny little sort of, you know, walled cement on the floor area. It doesn't mean a lovely lawn and gorgeous bedding plants and what have you which is what he's got but but no I don't think I think readers are quite capable of making that jump there's that much on tv these days they they know I've, I've been talking to some of my guests about crime novels who are not crime writers and I'm, I'm wondering what is your opinion about why are British crime novels or tv shows so successful because they're good <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. But but what's what's your opinion? Maybe, why is why is it? We, I mean, that some of them are great, and I think that you know we love you know stuff that comes from other you know we, we love the bridge and we loved um, called spiral and all of that you know so we 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 love that. I mean, I I love to watch those those crime um, series that are, even though I have to you write the I have to you know have the writing along the bottom and, and, and do it that way. But I, but I do love those. And But I, we've got some great screenwriters here and, and, and some good series. Uh, do you get them all in Austria? Not on TV. Oh, we, yeah. we have to find other ways to watch them, uh, which, which we do, of course. Uh, but we love to read them. And people here also love to read them. And I think Midsummer Murder is very successful. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, here in Austria, we get a lot of American shows right. because we are, our broadcasting company usually buys them together with the German broadcasting companies. And so they have a sort of collaboration. It's cheaper that way. But we get the German television here as well. And I know a lot of people watch German television, especially for the British shows. Right, right. Well, I'd say, yes, I, I've never thought about that. So do you, you get Line of Duty and all of that 
Mm, Line of Duty, not, but other shows like, for example, Endeavor and Vera, mm -hmm. Death in Paradise, and they're very successful. Bodyguard on TV? Bodyguard was on TV, I mm -hmm. think, yeah, mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, well, um, Vera, of course, um, just I think yesterday was announcing a 11th series or something like that. Yeah, probably. I yeah. Think. yeah, it must be, must be by now. So, yeah, and I think that that travels very well, and I think people love the landscape. My landscape, as it happens. <laughs> Move over, Anne. Yes. Had enough. Yes. You know, I'm only kidding. <laughs> Anne and I are good friends. But um, somebody asked me one day, I, I think it was at either Bloody Scotland or the other, Granite Noir, it may have been, which is up in Dundee. Mm -hmm. um, that's another crime festival. And some uh, Anne and I were on a panel together, and somebody's, from the audience put a hand up and said isn't it a shame Mari that that you don't have a look in you can't have a look in because Anne is successful with the Northumberland series and Anne was very lovely and she said look there's room for everyone at the bar um and every every series has its has its run and has its day and then it's you know somebody else's turn And so, yeah, little did I know that it would, her series would go on for quite so long. But um, good good luck to her. And, um, you know, the series is very, very popular in America. I know that. Mm. But, and you know, it, it does my area, the world of good, tourist-wise. And I love, the, I love that part of the writing. I love, you know, showcasing our area, which is a beautiful part to, you know, you must come. Yes, yes, but 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 we are again on the blacklist or red list. I don't yeah. know what color list we are on at the moment. So I, we hope we can travel to England next year. Yeah, for a hiking holiday because that what that what was planned for this year. Oh, Hadrian's Wall! You must walk from Wall's End to the, you know one one coast to the other. It would be brilliant. Sounds And a bit long. Walk, <laughs> walk right past my house. Yeah. Just see? About. Yeah, see. <laughs> When you get here, yeah, I'll come and collect you from the wall. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so we have a date. We have a date now. We do. Yeah. Well, you spread yourself out, you know. Bristol's have their the chance. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now there, are, there are a lot of lovely places. Yeah. The problem is there's like so many places yeah. uh, to see. Yeah, I think you know this. There's one thing about the lockdown this 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 year. People who normally go away for um, their holidays are discovering that we have a fantastic country right here. Sorry, that's my phone going. I should turn it off. The, the phone is going only because I I had a bit of a a fright when I came upstairs and realized that I couldn't get onto Zoom on my computer. And then I thought, who will help me with this? <laughs> oh, she digs me out of all these uh, scrapes that I get into. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. What we, I was in Scotland about 20 years ago with a friend after after university, I think it was, and I absolutely enjoyed it. And we would love to go other places as well, but it's difficult for us to avoid July and August. Well, not for her, but for me, it's difficult. May I ask what the chattering teacup does for a living? Are you a teacher as well? No, 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 definitely not. Um, I'm working for a chartered accountant as a bookkeeper. Oh, good. Good. But it's uh, hard to get away for more than a week, take time off. So it's a bit limiting for holidays. Yeah. 
You're a maths girl then. Yes, she is. Yes. <laughs> really? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Somebody asked me on a Q&A yesterday that they were doing via email, was I, did I like English when I was at school? And I, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Me too. Um, I was a maths girl. Uh. Was, yeah. And did I, did I, and they said, did I want to, did I always want to be a writer? Uh, you know, as a kid, did I want to be a writer? And I said, no, I wanted to be an Olympic swimmer. <laughs> and I had, I, I had an all England trial. Oh. I, my father was in the army and they had a swimming pool on the base. And so I used to, they used to allow me in every day to go and swim. So I used to come in from school drop my kit, go to the pool, swim, 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 up, down, up, down. And I was always told never, ever accept a lift. And this particular time, I was 13, I think, I came out of the pool and I was walking along the road and a young, very attractive young man stopped on his motorbike and asked if I would like a lift. And he was one of the soldiers from the base. And so I climbed on his pillion and ended up smashed in the middle of the road when we both came off. And that was the end of my trial and the end of of my swimming dream. But, you know, you you pick yourself up, you get on with it and, you know, didn't happen. Mm. I should have taken taken my mother's uh, advice and never never taken a lift. It it cost me dearly. Mm. But then I've always been a bit of a rebel. (laughs) <laughs> as you might have I don't know whether that part of me comes out in the books but possibly it does I think so might be maybe especially in Without a Trace yeah maybe mm-hmm. the way Kate behaves yeah a little bit oh god she, could, she should have got the sack at least ten times that, that <laughs> <book>. <laughs> and I always felt a little bit as if I wanted to smack her over the head sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially uh, when she... I, I, the, I know the point that you're going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm <laughs> oh, sure. no, not again. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Come on, what's the matter with you? <laughs> oh. But I guess it's oh, always what? easier from the outside. Of course it's easier from the outside. But when, when I was sitting and, and reading that and I thought, oh, come on now. Oh. <laughs> I'm so cruel. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Oh, come on, you like it, really. Yes, we do. Absolutely. I enjoyed it, like I said. Yours was one of the books I read during lockdown. Oh, right. Okay. Was that helpful? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was, actually, because it was a good distraction from the job. Good. Good. I can't wait for the next one. I was was actually rereading number one. Oh, really? Yeah. This week, yeah, the, the last few days, I was rereading number one and I started with a book number one of your Oliver and Stone series. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, you're right, uh, Frankie is funny and I like her. Mm-hmm. Good. She's I'm a pleased. Great, yeah, she's a great character, actually. She's very likable. Good. Well, um, yeah, I, I, they both got dark histories, those two, and uh, they come out in the next couple of books after that one. At, at the beginning of the series, and this isn't really sort of spoiling it for anyone but I think Frankie has to step in and uh, help David out he, she doesn't know what's wrong and and that I, I've been trying to eke that out a little bit but yes by now uh, they both know they both know what their backstories their dark backstories are and there's there's more to be resolved in mm. as we go forward 
but I but I love doing that. I I think that if you drip feed the exciting parts and and the mysterious parts, if you like, you have readers with you, and um, and yeah, people people have taken to that series. Um, mm-hmm. Some people think some people think Frankie gives Kate a run for her money. Uh, some people think not, <laughs> uh, but I'm. But I'm hedging my bets here, so uh, you know, I, I, I think they're very, very different characters, mm. and I like them equally. Mm. They're the kind of people that you'd want on your side, you know, if you were in trouble. I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially the like a dog with a bone. <laughs> <laughs> don't they don't yes, ever? I think there's a bit of me in her. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Okay. <laughs> Any more questions for our guest? One, because as you were in the Northeastern ah. grammar development scheme, uh, I've more than once heard uh, Northern authors, Northern writers, and so on, about, especially about from North. I've never heard about any other region. So is it just my impression, or are they trying to, is the North trying to especially promote its people? Or We have a very, very good new writers uh, association here called new writing north and they promote local authors and they are brilliant absolutely brilliant and lots of people in other parts of the country have said oh well we we have nothing like that in our region now they are springing up and i think there's a, a wish certainly to to decentralize you know the bbc and and all of publishing is in london mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that they are pushing out to the regions. They are trying to help regional writers because for many years, I mean, I think that, you know, yes, we, you know, we have the Scots who who write and they are well promoted within their own country. But outside of London, there are very few agents. There are very, mm-hmm. there are very few publishers except for independent publishers. And I think the big publishers, like the BBC, are all trying to sort of move out. So the BBC has gone to Salford, hasn't it, in near Manchester, um, also in Cardiff. Mm. And certainly my own publisher, um, Hachette, uh, are having regional offices in Newcastle and Manchester. And that is a good thing because, you know, our regional voices need to be heard. And there, there's there's a a raft of good writers up here so yeah i think it's great i think new writers north were probably one of the first organizations to to promote the north in that way and and the, there was one organization for the screenwriters as well which is which is how i came mm. to go on this on this bbc scheme which again was trying to push out to hear what other regions had to say And I think it's great. I think I think it's really great. I mean, it's it's almost like saying like if you look at Austria, all of the people in Austria are the same. They're not, of course, yeah. they're not. You know, all the regions are different, mm-hmm. and 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 you could say that about any country. Yeah. So I think it's a good thing. I think mm-hmm. it's a really good positive move that that we hear about different places, and and you hear different voices. I don't write in dialogue. In dialects, I, I should say, I don't write Geordie dialect that mm. that much. Uh, there, there's an odd word in there, but actually, I'm not from here. I'm from London. I was born in London, but I came here when I was 15, which was a long, long time ago. 
and, uh, and I stayed. And when my parents moved away, uh, you know, I, I stayed. So I consider myself Northern now, but I think it's very, very important for, for every country to have the regions represented. Are you accepted as a Northerner? It's really odd you should say that because I think I speak quite Northern, but Northern people think I speak quite posh. <laughs> and I wouldn't say I speak quite posh at all. And if I, whenever I used to go home, when I used to go to, to see my grandparents in London, I would suddenly revert back to how I used to speak. So everything would have the long R in it. So it would be laugh or it would be bath instead of laugh or bath. Even Mo will, sometimes it comes out and she'll go, oh, laugh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's a laugh. You know, it's just one of those things because she would even, even, she says there's no R in laugh. How can you say that? But, you know, that's, They, they know they know that I'm not from here. I can't hide it. <laughs> you, you can't hide it, but are you accepted as, as part of the North? Oh, yeah. 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 Definitely. I've been, I'm a top, total adoptee. You know, <laughs> they've, they've adopted me, definitely. And they like the way I write about their region. So, you know, it is my home. It has been my home for a long, long time. And I consider myself to be Northern. If somebody said to me, are you Northern? Or are you Southern? I would definitely say Northern. I'm only asking this because when we, from the east of Austria, go to Vorarlberg, the west, the most western part of, of Austria, no matter how long you ever live there, you will never be a part. Oh, really? No. Oh, wow. It doesn't happen. Oh, wow. I mean, they may accept you, but you will always be the person that moved there. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're an incomer. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I don't. I don't feel like an incomer. I do feel like part of the part of the uh, part of the scene here. Okay. I mean, Anne Cleves writes about Northumberland, and uh, actually, neither one of us are from here. She's not a northerner either, oh, okay. and she will be the first one to tell you that. But yeah, we've made our home here because we love it, and that's I think you know as important as if you were born here mm. and you have the northern heritage. I can understand why you made your home there since I always look at your pictures on Twitter. <sighs> and of course you're a long way from the sea where you are. Yes. How <laughs> yeah. long? Yes. Is it 300 miles or something? Yes, yes, it is. Another country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would dearly love to have a place overlooking the coast but there You know, few and far between, let's put it that way. I have to sell a few more books. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have to sell a few more German books. <laughs> yeah, there's still time. <laughs> and, oh. and maybe you can make a good deal for your uh, rom-com or comedy. Yeah. Yes. And maybe also your other series for, let's say, Netflix or Amazon. Yeah. It's all on the it's all on the wish list. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> then you yeah then you can have your your house by the sea. Well, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Mm. <sighs> <laughs> I do my best thinking on the, on the beach. I I love to go up there and just walk and think and talk to myself. And, you know, yeah. I spend my time doing it. If I walk away from Mo, I'm usually talking into the phone. I'm not 
actually talking to anyone. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing about mobile phones now, because when you're talking into them, people actually think you're using the phone. And whereas, you know, years ago, if you walked along talking to yourself, people would be getting the white coat out, you know, to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and calling somebody, a psychiatrist. And but, I, yeah. You, do you yeah. do you record ideas then also? Yeah, um, I do. Just if if something occurs, I, I put it on my notes and and then I sort it out when I get home. Mm. I mean, it's good that way because if you talk it in, then you you don't have to type it again. You can just take it and put it in your file. Um, but yeah, I do that all the time, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. <laughs> even, when be, even when I should be paying attention, I'm usually not. You know. So one, um, has, one has to be careful around you. Yeah. <laughs> I think in some way, writers and writers are always spying on other people. Well, you know, I, 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 do you mean other writers or do you mean? People in general, I think. Well, Because they're always listening, uh, who's talking about something, what can they use for their ideas? Yeah, well, um, I think that ideas come from everywhere. And what is, you know, I've got a box full of ideas that I may never ever use, but I but I write anything down that I think might be useful um, in future. And that's how I would, if I was talking to a new writer, I would explain that's part of your toolbox to listen, to watch, to observe. I'm talking to the University of East Anglia students doing a masterclass soon. And they turn out a lot of very good writers. And they've asked me if I will talk to people about my experience and how I use it. And, and you know, and I think, I hope that that will be, you know, inspiring for them. But even after 14 books, I, you know, when they said masterclass, I thought that's quite a grand name for a, you know, giving a little talk to uh, a couple of hours to some students but that's what they've called it so I shall do my best to inspire another generation and then some of the writers some of the debut authors are fantastic nowadays you know uh, us, you know all of us who've been around for a bit are all looking over our shoulders to see who it is <laughs> coming up behind and they and they are great because there's a lot of universities have an MA now for creative writing And I never did it. I, I self-taught. You know, I desperately need an editor now and again to tell me off mm. for getting it wrong. But um, you learn as you go along. I think it's inbuilt whether you're a storyteller or not. Mm. I don't think every... I think people say everyone's got a book in them. I don't think everyone has a book in them. I think they might think they have a book in them, but, you know, I, I don't know whether I necessarily agree. Hmm. Maybe everyone has an idea for a story, but that doesn't no. mean you can write it no. and make a book out of it. And yeah. someone, someone else can do it, but not everyone. Yeah, yeah. But then we have ghostwriters for that, don't we? Yes. You know, if, if you if you have a really good story to tell and you can't tell it, well, find a ghostwriter. And would you also say that the crime writing community is rather welcoming? compared to other writing communities? Yeah, well, I don't want to knock another writing community, but the crime writers are actually, you know, renowned for being such a, a really friendly, you know, accommodating bunch. They're, they're very generous with their time. They're very welcoming to new people. They're, you know, at festivals, for, for example, I mean, Harrogate Festival is very different from 
say Crime Fest. Crime Fest is a, is a great festival, don't get me wrong, but at Harrogate Festival, there are thousands of readers there who go there to see some fantastic writers, just like the ones that, that Crime Fest get. But those writers are in the bar, they're in the garden, they're chatting, they're available. They make themselves available. It's lovely. You, you must one, one year. And, and, and you must let me know if you are coming across for Harrogate because, um, yeah, once you've been, you will always want to go back. I've, I've been every year, I think. And the only year that I nearly didn't go was the year that I met my publisher. <laughs> uh, what happened was I, I wasn't very well beforehand. I nearly cancelled. Mo said, no, you've got to go. Your book is on the desk of somebody, at, at, you know, at my first publisher, Pam Macmillan. He might be there. He was there. And I was able to introduce myself to him. And it was at a good time. We, we gelled immediately. And that was it. Within weeks, he'd taken me on. Without him, without that meeting, if I hadn't have gone, mm. what you know, who knows what would have happened. I probably would still be waiting. I could be still be waiting. Yeah, you have to, you know, you have to have skill and you have to really keep at it. But you do have to have a little bit of luck as well. Mm. And know how to approach people and how to approach people with a submission letter or or what have you. It's it's important. Yeah. Um, you can't just tie your manuscript up in a big dustbin with a big bow and think that that joke is going to go very far because actually it's a professional it's a professional letter and it should be professional. Um, so jokes don't kind of go down very well with, with people. And, you know, those are the sorts of things that, 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 that new writers need to know. But writers who've been around for years and years and years are just so generous. Lee Child, for example, just such a lovely man. It's, you know, he's there to talk to readers. You know, he will sit and chat with them and have a beer with them and a smoke just sitting outside of uh, the, the Old Swan Hotel. And do you know that the Old Swan Hotel, where the Harrogate Festival is, is where Agatha Christie went missing and was found? Okay. So it's it's interesting for you from that point of view as well. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Big plug for um, Thiexton's Old Peculiar, which also ha- uh, happens to uh, be a brewery. Um, so you get your beer. Ah. Uh... For me, what That's about what, what about That's your chin? What, what about fine. the chin? Beer's fine. fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's on our list. I think it's. I've, you I've, mentioned it more than once. Yeah, yeah, I've mentioned it a few times because I looked at the homepage, but it's always a question of time. But isn't it that they have more than one festival? It's more uh, different ones. Different no? genres, I think, yeah. isn't it? Harrogate. But not the same different. time? Different genres or different... Um... Oh, well, Harrogate, Harrogate International Festivals uh, is a big organisation. So they they have the, the crime festival, but they also do wonderful music festivals and writers' yeah. festivals. So it's a, a lot of different kinds of festivals, yeah. So, yeah. But it is it is brilliant. Yeah, it's on the list. As is bloody Scotland and Stirling, which is a lovely place to visit as well. It's been a pleasure talking to you both. Thank you. It was our pleasure yeah. talking to you as well. We, it was very funny. It was a great conversation. We enjoyed it a lot. Also, thank you. Also, and thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you for agreeing. Thank you so much, both of you. Thank, thank you. you. And, and um, I know um, Bianca and Katharina are 
waiting to hear this. Yes, I know. <laughs> have you met them? No pressure. Have you actually met them? No. No, no, we only met via Zoom. And Bianca agreed to, to join us for an episode. And we talked for, I think, three or four hours. Oh, really? Yes. I used one and a half hours for the episode. Oh, wow. Good. Yeah. Again, thank you. And have a nice evening and a nice weekend. Our best tomorrow. We hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did and we'll meet again at Book Lovers Companion.